Welcome, welcome to the Hard Skills Podcast and Show with me, Dr. Mira Bronku. I work with leaders in healthcare research, STEM, and other technical fields who want to develop an authentic leadership identity and create a healthy, inclusive workplace environment to retain the best people doing the best work. In other words, developing the hard skills needed to make great impact. Now, um, this season, we're exploring the first stage in my strategic leadership pathway model, Facing Uncertainty. And today, we're talking with Dr. Vanessa Roddenberry about unlocking leadership amidst uncertainty when your gut is compromised. Now, by the way, I originally call this episode, When Not to Trust Your Gut. But that was a little bit extreme. And when I saw Vanessa describe it, As assessing when your gut is compromised, I really like that better. So I've adopted that because it isn't an either or, it's not a binary, right? Um, By the way, on the show, we value evidence-based practical solutions. I don't want you watching or listening to this show passively. I want you ready to reflect deeply, take notes, I do, and identify at least one small step to further develop your hard skills muscles based on what we talk about today. Um, Also, speaking of practical solutions, let me pause here before I um, introduce Vanessa completely. I want to share one major announcement we have. Today, September 15th, which by the way, for those of you who celebrate, happy Rosh Hashanah, September 15th, 2023, we're opening up applications to the Towerscope Leadership Academy, TLA for short, right there, okay, Um, This Leadership Academy is the next step in our social impact vision for Towerscope. We're building an affordable, accessible leadership development program and membership community to support women leaders in healthcare, academia, and STEM. It is gender inclusive, but women-centered. And we're looking for 15 founding members to test out a nine-week mini version to learn and grow and give us feedback and help us grow it. We already do have nine folks who have applied and are accepting folks who meet criteria as they come. So don't wait until the last minute. If you're watching us live or you're watching a video later, you might have noticed I have a QR code over here. You can go to that QR code and go straight to our website to learn more. Or you can go to www.gotowerscope.com. All right. And break is over. Dr. Vanessa Roddenberry, welcome. She is a clinical psychologist and founder of Breta Psychological Services, a group practice specializing in the provision of trauma-informed evidence-based care. She's an expert in the treatment of PTSD and trauma-related disorders, and she's passionate about promoting organizational and community awareness of trauma-informed principles in business and healthcare, as well as burnout prevention in professionals. Now, Vanessa and I know each other from other ways. About a decade ago, maybe more, when we both worked for a translational science center within the Department of Veterans Affairs, and it was focused on post-deployment mental health. And of course, that meant we became well-versed in research on trauma-related mental health conditions, such as post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, anxiety, depression, and traumatic brain injury. We've taken very different paths with this in our careers since then, but we continue to think about and consider trauma-informed approaches to our work. So I'm excited to have her here to talk about the mental health side of it and how it connects with just like um, making strategic decisions and when our gut might be compromised as leaders in leadership roles. So welcome, Vanessa. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Mira. It's always fun when we get to work together. I'm glad you I here. know. I am so excited. I'm so excited to have you here. Okay, let's um let's just quickly get into this. How did you get into this work? And um just like beyond like what I know of you to, you know, when you did the the research. Um and also, how did you get to the name of your practice, Breta? Sure. So, I've always been interested in um the way we make sense of the world. And 
I actually didn't start out in mental health. I, I've always loved stories that we mm-hmm. tell ourselves about how things come to be and our personal narratives. So um, originally, I've always loved to read and write, and I started out thinking I was going to be a writer, and um, that sort of transformed into an interest in uh, cultural and cultural stories. So I, I ended up um, starting out as an anthropology major in college. And so interesting. Yeah, it was it was a really interesting field. And then in taking some of those classes, I realized that um, sort of over and above individual experiences um, or cultural experiences, I was more interested in individual experiences, and that led me to psychology. Um, and so. That's how I got where I am. And within that, I've always been very interested in the experience of trauma. What makes something traumatic for one person, whereas it might not be for another. And it really has to do with how we interpret the situation, which kind of goes back to that idea of narrative and the stories we tell ourselves. So that's the the thread for me. Um, But within that, I've always also been really interested and fascinated by how people change. And the fact that we can change as people, it's kind of remarkable how much change is possible, even though developmentally we we can be fixated in so many ways over time, we can also change in such powerful ways and, and healing is so possible. And that's what I find so fulfilling about what we do in, in coaching and in mental health. And um, that's what led me to the name Freda. It means change in Icelandic. So it seems like a very fitting name for our practice because we we celebrate and encourage change across the spectrum of wellness. Yeah, I um I love that and you know what, <clears throat> what strikes me is just like somebody who knows you um <clears throat> when you started talking about storytelling I thought gosh yes um she is so good at explaining really complex um issues and topics into like really clear stories. You just, when you look at your own website, um, the um, way that you even describe like what you do, you just write good copy. <laughs> Thank you. That sounds like a marketing thing, but in <laughs> fact, it's actually like a really important skill to be able to bring very complex experiences into digestible, understandable meaning-making um, so that people can take a past story and reframe and think about it in a different way or, um, you know, adjust um, to where they are now and things like that. Is that kind of how you think about how, you know, sort of the coming together of your interests and skill sets? Yes, I I do. And in, in fact, there's a there's a viral picture that a lot of people have probably seen before where there, there are these two chairs and two people sitting in them for therapy. And on one side, it shows someone with a tangled web of yarn over their head and their thought bubble. And then the the therapist is sort of helping to unravel it. And um, it shows post-therapy, it's sort of untangled. And so I think a lot of times our narratives can feel very confused. And part of what I think we can do um, in the helping profession is help people um, get that clarity. And so um, help someone sort of figure out a, a new way of looking at their narrative in a very clear and focused way. So, yeah, yeah, uh, that's a great visual uh, for sure. Okay, so so let's get into this gut thing. I had a um, guest on the show a few weeks ago, Jesse Janelle, who focuses on self-trust and intuition. And for many people, developing trust in yourself is critical and difficult, right? It's critical to our development and difficult trusting ourselves, uh, being reliable people to ourselves and other people, right? Um, Gaining the confidence. Um, And I I wanted to sort of bring you on the show to explore when it's difficult to get to that point of trusting your gut or when the gut is so off that you need to pause and pay attention to other data before you assume it's accurate, right? So I wanted to have both both sides of that um, on the show. So let's start with understanding what affects our ability to trust ourselves in our decision making. Can you share a little bit more about that piece? Sure. So we're hardwired to avoid uncomfortability. And that's part of why we so dislike uncertainty. As 
as creatures, we love for things to fit into neat little categories. And from an evolutionary perspective, this makes sense, right? So we we like things to be very clear and black and white. We like to know, you know, is, is that thing going to poison me or not? And is this a safe person or not? And so in a very unconscious way, we have these biases and these quick tendencies to categorize things. And again, from that evolutionary perspective, that's helpful. And we we want to do that to some extent. So we tend to, to use these biases in helpful ways, but sometimes it's less helpful. And if we rely on them overly much, or we assume that our gut instinct is always right, then it can actually create a lot of problems in our decision-making and our relationships and have a lot of unintended negative consequences. So our, our brain tells us that uncertainty is inherently bad. And if we go with that negative assumption, then it's going to preclude us from actually having a lot of potentially good experiences. So I think to an extent, sometimes we can kind of cut off our, our, our nose to spite our face in that way. And we need to be able to get comfortable with a little bit of uncomfortability there. So there's some sort of cultural messages that we get about uncertainty that really aren't fair. Mm. Um, so to answer your question about um, being able to learn when it's okay to, to trust our gut, I think sometimes there are things that are very clear indi- indications that we may need to, to really do a, a gut check, so to speak. So if you are experiencing a mental health issue, then there are some very clear indications that there are going to be things that interfere with that. So for example, anxiety, PTSD, depression, those things can create what we call cognitive distortions or, um, you know, patterns of thinking that can negatively affect the way you're interpreting information from your environment. And that's going to be um, basically skewing the information that you're getting. So what you want to do when you're making a decision is use big data. And you want to say, I'm gathering all the information from my environment and weighing my emotion at the same time and balancing that and making an informed decision. And a lot of times we do that in a subtle way where we're not necessarily giving that big data credit. And we kind of assume, oh, I've made this wonderful decision because I'm I'm just such a good decision maker, but we've actually used a lot of big data. And sometimes when we're dealing with these other factors internally, perhaps a, a mental health condition, then it's affecting that filter. So what, what amount of big data, what type of data we're, we're actually assessing or gathering, and that's going to affect our decision ultimately. So interesting. Okay. So I'm going to pause for a moment on this big data question, big data, little data, um, in order for us to get into an ad break for um, a brief moment here. So you are listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco, and our guest, Dr. Vanessa Roddenberry. The Hard Skills airs live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. If you'd like to join us online, join us and ask questions. We're here to answer them in real time, you can find us on LinkedIn or YouTube at talkradio.nyc. And we'll be back with our guests in just a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? 
Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome, welcome back with me and Dr. Vanessa Roddenberry. I wanted to, if you're watching this live, um, I wanted to show you a little bit more about Vanessa. Let me see if I can find what I'm looking for here. Um, Ah, yes, here we go. I wanted to share with you her website, Rita. So we're talking about when to uh, trust your intuition, your gut, and when it's compromised. And Vanessa does a lot of work when it comes to trauma, as well as anxiety and depression and other things where um, mental health conditions might affect how you think about um, the situation, how you assess the situation. And what does that mean um, for trusting your gut and when and how, right? So we um, we left off with um, using big data versus maybe little data, right? Little data is like your gut instinct, your reaction and how you, you know, how that informs your reactions to things. Is that right? Right. So for example, when, when someone experiences a traumatic event and then they are um, dealing with the way that their cognitions might have changed Oftentimes, they're not overtly aware of that, but it's significantly going to affect the way that they're interpreting their environment. And this is going to be on physiological as well as emotional and cognitive levels. And so physiologically, you're experiencing hypervigilance. And so it's going to affect your ability to concentrate, which, of course, is going to mean that you're intaking less information or different types of information might be encoded. Um, You may be primed to interpret things uh, more as threats when perhaps they weren't. Um, And you are also going to be more likely to feel fatigued because you might be having difficulty sleeping or you're hyper alert of your environment and you're scanning your environment maybe more than you would have prior to this. And that's very draining. And so it's also going to um, mean that you're feeling more anxiety and that that's very difficult in social situations. You're feeling less connected to other people and that's going to translate into the way that other people relate to you, which means that you're going to get that response in kind from them and they may not even be aware of that. So this is all kind of going to, you know, dovetail in terms of the, the way other people relate to you. So you're, you're going to get the physiological piece and then emotionally that's going to translate into heightened anxiety for you. And cognitively, you're also experiencing the way that your thoughts have changed following a traumatic event. It's very common for folks to find that you have negative uh, cognitions related to self others or the world at large. And so as a result, sometimes we can do things called cherry picking data and Mm -hmm. you, you do things to try to um, confirm your biases that you have. And even though that might not be helpful, we all know that it feels good when we're right on some extent. And this sort of goes back to what we talked about um, in terms of that evolutionary bit, right? Where we we kind of like to have things in little categories. We like to know, we like to have certainty because our brains don't like the gray area. That feels scary. And so even though it might not be helpful or even accurate, sometimes we'll sling it to one polarity or the other and say, oh yeah, that person doesn't like me or 
this organization doesn't care about me. And we, we go with one of those assumptions and then we cherry pick data to support that. And if we're making decisions based off of those assumptions, it can lead to tidal waves concentrically out from that, that can create a lot more problems. And so we might be sort of looking at the situation myopically where we're using some internal cues to use small data that might not necessarily incorporate a larger context or more objective data. And so if we were really to come back to center and ground ourselves, we might be able to say, is this the most accurate way that we could look at this situation. And there are a lot of ways that uh, you can attend to that. And we'll probably get into that in, in yeah. a second. But uh, so, that's so yeah, um, that yes. So before we get to the big data, what can you do with this? How can you be a little bit more objective in your decision making of more strategic? Let's um, try to um think about like a specific situation. So let's, let's say you have a leader, right? They're experiencing um, these kinds of reactions. Maybe they've had a, you know, traumatic experience in the past. Maybe that traumatic experience is rooted in racism or a sexual assault or even a national crisis. I mean, I think the, the most common thing that most leaders can say they've experienced, which is what we've all experienced um, are national crises that can be traumatic for some people, right? Not everybody interprets it in the same way, like you said. But for example, the pandemic has been traumatic for some people and not for others, depending on the effects that it has on them, right? Um, you know, the um, the the sort of racial reckoning has had an impact personally on some people more than other people. Um, and... Um, and, you know, even like all kinds of um, exposure in the media to very frightening events like shootings or what's happening abroad, you know, with with um, Ukraine, everything depends on like our personal reactions and histories to all of that. Um, but we carry that around. So like as leaders, then we're also expected to respond in some way to be supportive and hold the um, emotional gravity for all people in an organization, right? Um, that's a lot to put on leaders, but it's especially heavy for leaders who are working through their own reactions as well, right? And it could be mental health, but it doesn't have to be mental health. It could be just like working through our own reactions to it. Um, and so um, what are sort of like the the top challenges that you might imagine it could look like when you're saying like hypervigilance could be there? or you describe like extremes in reacting or decision-making or um, making sort of, um, you know, black or white thinking about people. Um, what does that look like potentially for leaders in an organization when they're processing their stuff and they're trying to be there for other people? Right. That's, that's a huge challenge. And we're, we're seeing it play out in a very difficult way right now, because like you said, I mean, there are so many collective traumas unfurling and trauma has always been one of the biggest issues that I think people have dealt with as a mental health issue. It's, it's ubiquitous. And it's, I think something like 12 million people um, are dealing with PTSD at any given time. And wow. so I mean, it's, it's always been omnipresent. And to your point, when, when you have leadership who are really supposed to be there for their team and then they're compromised, it is particularly difficult when the nature of the compromise involves potentially, um, you know, difficulty interpersonally and, and negative assumptions about the other person. And so I think that really speaks to the importance of what we're seeing um, emerging right now, which is the, the call um, for trauma-informed leadership, mm-hmm. because it really is recognizing that there is this epidemic of trauma. And so leaders as an ethical responsibility need to attend to their self-care with any mental health issue. But I think particularly 
you know, trauma is, is so deeply impactful that they need to be able to, to heal themselves in order to heal their team and their organizations. And so trauma-informed leadership really acknowledges that you know, trauma is something that is not anybody's fault. And so it creates a safe space where everybody can know that we're approaching this from the perspective of this is not what's wrong with you. It's what happened to you. We're, we're opening this ground and holding space for you so that we can come from a place of understanding and compassion and help you with a problem. So for example, when when someone is struggling, when a leader might be struggling with their own issue, I think it is becoming increasingly important to be vulnerable and to be able to say, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. And I'm, I might even be having trouble interpreting your response to me and coming back with a question instead of you know, immediately responding and reacting. And that's a difficult thing. It's really hard um, to do that. It requires a lot of self-reflection. And so I think it can be helpful for, for leadership to really um, do things like take moments of self-reflection, try to keep journals or better yet, you know, if, if you're struggling at that level, obviously seek mental health care, evidence-based care for, for trauma or whatever mental health issue you might be having. But to be able to then furthermore express that to your team and say, hey, we have an open door policy. We're offering team support, peer support, mental health care if possible. But to be able to let them know that this, this is an organization that understands that um, you're more than what happened to you and we support you through that. And we are not going to re-traumatize you. We're going to try to do what we can to support you through this. Yeah. And how would, speaking of like self-reflection, self-awareness, what are the signs? How would a leader know? Cause you know, a lot of leaders, um, they, they often succumb to what Patrick Lencioni calls um, the need to be invulnerable, to show up as invulnerable, because we have this belief that leaders must appear strong, invulnerable, not weak, right? Now we're hearing um, different recommendations now to like be more authentic, more, more vulnerable in order to establish trust. But there's plenty of people who still feel like I can't show weakness. I can't show what I'm going through because I have to be there for other people, right? And when you do that, you might not actually recognize the signs that you need help. So I'm wondering, like, what are a few signs that you should sort of attend to that your gut is a little bit off, that your intuition might be off because you're not attending to your sort of trauma reactions? Sure. So I think one one clue, because a lot of times, if you're really struggling with decision-making, it's going to be exhausting for you. Mm. And so you're going to want to avoid. And avoidance is a hallmark of mm. PTSD and anxiety. It's also the glue that keeps a lot of those symptoms in place. So if you notice that you're really becoming increasingly avoidant um, of, of meetings, of others, of decision-making, of your duties, that's a huge canary in the mind shaft that something is amiss. And it may not mean that you necessarily have a diagnosable condition, but something is off. And you, you may want to get a uh, peer consultation, consult with a mentor, or maybe even try to seek out a, a mental health professional's opinion on the matter and, um, and see what would be going on there. So avoidance is a big one. Another one is to check in with your own stress level, which is might seem like a no-brainer, but obviously if if you are experiencing um, these types of issues, your stress is going to significantly increase. So trying to figure out where that is based on your, your sort of usual watermark is a, is a good thing to check in on. But also trying to pay attention to your team dynamics is important because even though you might have a sense of, okay, I've somehow maintained my my facade of an impenetrable leader who doesn't need any help if you are not doing a good job in terms of decision making there you know it's gonna 
crack around the edges and, and it will usually show in your team and there's going to be grumbles, you know, you're, you're going to get feedback somehow. And so it can be helpful to ask for feedback. And, um, you know, that might be in the usual feedback ways where it may be sort of, um, an unprecedented way of asking for feedback where maybe you haven't before, or you're asking at unusual times just because you're wondering, is everything okay? But that's helpful. So, um, you know, checking in with yourself, checking in with your team, and then um, really just trying to do an internal check um, every now and then on your usual stress levels. Great. All right. So we have talked about some warning signs. We are nearing an ad break. So you're listening to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco, and our guest, Dr. Vanessa Roddenberry. And we'll be back in just a moment. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back with me, Dr. Mira Bronco on the hard skills and Dr. Vanessa Roddenberry of Bray to Psychological Services. He is sharing with us trauma-informed leadership frameworks for how to help leaders navigate uncertainty when it's hard to trust their gut or when they know they might be vulnerable to things like um, trauma experiences and exposure, hypervigilance, distrust, things like that. Now, what we talked about before the break were some warning signs. Some of the warning signs were avoidance. Are you avoiding, um, you know, conflict or especially things that are, um, you know, triggering um, very strong reactions um, where you're likely to um, just have a flood of emotion or be on edge Um, and paying attention to those reactions And your stress reactions might be a sign that you want to slow down and increase your self-awareness. So now um, let's move into a couple of questions that I have related to that. Number one, how do we know the difference between like a regular normal stress reaction, right? Um, And a trauma reaction where you're, it's not quite, um, it's going to affect your leadership decision-making. How can we distinguish between those two things? Sure. So there's there's a really helpful way to sort of look at the situation that we can pull from dialectical behavior therapy or DBT that is useful in sifting through your subjective reaction and what is objectively true. And using the terminology of your, you know, your gut instinct versus the trauma reaction is a little bit misleading because I I think what we're really talking about is, um, you know, how, how subjective is your reaction? And anytime you're dealing with a mental health 
issue, your your way of looking at the world, your cognition um, may be skewed. So really what we're talking about is it might be you know, disproportionately skewed. And so we're, we're saying how, how much to trust your subjective assessment. Mm -hmm. And, and so in DBT, there's this really, um, wonderfully helpful way of looking at this called wise mind. And it's a, a Venn diagram. And there are these two overlapping circles. And on one side, there is your emotion mind. And on the other side, there is your rational mind. And we need both of these things. And so obviously we need our emotions because we want to feel things and have that rich experience in life. But like anything, if you if you have an extreme experience, it's not going to be helpful. So if we're overly emotional, if we allow our subjective assessment to be extreme and overly reactive, it's going to not be that helpful to us. The same thing is true of the other side, which is the, the rational side. If we're devoid of emotion and we're simply kind of in automaton mode, that's not going to be that um, effective interpersonally. We need our emotions in there. Um, we do need that planning side though, too. We need to be able to have a logistical component to our decision-making so that things are effective. And so you need that balance where they overlap in the middle, which is wise mind. And where those overlap is usually what we call our intuition or our gut instinct. And a lot of folks say, well, okay, how do you figure that out? How do you get there? That's all well and good. Yeah, that's right. great, right? And so the, the way that you can access that is through practicing mindfulness skills. And a lot of folks sort of um, can get turned off to mindfulness because it sounds woo-woo or overly complicated, but it really doesn't have to be. You don't have to, you know, sit with your legs crossed or in any stance. It's really more about perspective taking than anything. You can take a mindful perspective in your office, you know, while you're walking down the hallway at the hospital, while you're driving to work. It can be very practical. It's about looking at how you are thinking almost. Now, you can practice it by doing a mindfulness exercise to sort of hone that skill in the same way that you can work on the idea of health by going to the gym, you know, you can practice mindfulness by doing a meditation, but you don't have to. So you can work towards this idea of wise mind by taking a mindful stance. So there, there is a technique that I think is kind of helpful in doing that, which is, I like to call it the layer cake, but, but who doesn't like cake, let's right? Do so, let's do it. Yeah. It already sounds tasty. So let's do it. Yeah, it's scandalous. So so when you think about your experience, it has layers, just like a cake. And there is an objective layer and a subjective layer. And it's useful to consider it that way because what happens is when we get upset, we usually will find that our mind has gone running down the road, you know, 10 miles into the future or into the past. And that's anxiety land or depression land. And we're not there. We're here in the now. And so if we come back to that perspective, what we can do is kind of slice that timeline and look at it and look at the layers. And that that's the layer kick. So when you feel upset, you think, how do I make this decision? How do I come to wise mind? Take a deep breath or a few and consider, okay, what am I telling myself right now? What are my thoughts about this situation? That is the top layer of your cake. That's your, your extra sweet, sort of frosty, sugary, sprinkly, almost over the top part of the cake. And it might be all kinds of stuff. Like I'm never going to get this, you know, project approved. We're going to have a budget problem, all those kinds of worries. It might be neutral. It might be positive, but whatever you're telling yourself, your interpretation, the subjective piece that's the top layer. So just notice that. Take stock of it and put it there. You can even draw it out if that's helpful. But then take another deep breath and notice 
what is true of the situation objectively? And this is dragnet style, like just the facts, ma'am, right? So what is, what is there that you can describe? And it might be, it's, it's a Friday, it's the afternoon, I'm at my desk. I'm thinking about this project. That's it. Or they've sent me an email to ask when the project will be finished. That's all there is to it. The thought you had about the fact that they don't like the project or the project will fail, that's subjective. So it's really helpful to look at those distinctions because it reminds you, okay, there's truth here. And then there's my interpretation that I have no basis for. It's simply my assumption. It's my mind, again, wrestling with that uncertainty because it makes it uncomfortable. And so it's trying to come up with some sort of way of figuring out the future so that I don't have to sit with the uncertainty. It's kind of like if you don't want to ever get rained on, you say, I'll just wear a raincoat and take an umbrella with me everywhere I go. And then I don't have to worry about it. But that's really like cumbersome and uncomfortable. So when you look at it this way, it gives you some perspective on how much extra stuff you're kind of putting on yourself. And it doesn't mean that it goes away, but again, it gives you that perspective. So you can come back to what's true and then you can make a more informed decision because that objective layer, the bottom part of the cake, that gives you a little bit more data that's real that you can use to contextualize the upper layer. I love this framework. And also I'm going to like take it an even step further um, and really chew on this cake like crazy. Um, the top layer, the the one that you described as like super sugary, right? That's enticing. We It's yeah. hard for us not to stay with the extra sugary, like super enticing piece of that cake, but it's not nourishing. It's not as, I mean, no part of cake is nourishing, but <laughs> the bottom part is better for you. <laughs> Um, I have a quick question since we're on the topic of emotion. Um, I was going to bring this up in lightning round, but we're going to use this, um, minute or so before the next, next ad break for this lightning round, Tamara Edwards, who is a PR and communications consultant who leads TEN company and personal brand in a box says, um, I'd love to hear Vanessa's opinion about why we feel things tied to emotion in the first place. Like why is our body trying to speak to us? And not letting our mind sort it out. Well, we need our feelings, right? I mean, Dang. If we, if, <laughs> it would be so convenient if we could just stick with the, the rational side of things. But from an evolutionary perspective, we, we have to have our emotions for survival. They, they help us figure out when there's a threat. And so all of those feelings that we have um, you know, a lot of times we, we pay more attention to the negative feelings. We think, why do I have to feel that? I wish I didn't have to have that. We don't mind the neutral feelings when we're just watching Netflix all day. We don't pay attention to what's happening, but we need all of them. And so, you know, it's actually so wonderful that we have all of these things, because if you think about it, they, they fuel us and they help keep us alert. So another way to think about it is when you feel anxiety, when you're about to give a presentation, if you consider the fact that the adrenaline dump that you've just had is your body acknowledging this is an important thing. And so on the horizon, there's something that is really meaningful to you and we're preparing you for that. That's so fantastic. And if you thank your body for that, it changes the entire dynamic and the relationship that you have to your emotions. And I think a lot of times we're in our culture, we've set up emotions that we deem as negative as the enemy that we wish we didn't have to have. And so if you, if you recalibrate that and you think about it from this other perspective, your, your body's always sending you just what you need. And so instead of thinking of it as something that you have to get rid of, it's actually something that is preparing you to meet the situation at hand and you can acknowledge, okay, this is present. And how do I want this to be? And so the, the problem is not usually so much the emotional experience that we have. It's what we tell ourselves about it. Kind of going back to that idea of narrative. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So we are nearing another ad break. You're listening to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronco and our guest, Dr. Vanessa Roddenberry. We'll be right back after the break. 
What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hello, this is Mira Bronco with the Hard Skills here with Dr. Vanessa Roddenberry talking about when your gut or your intuition is compromised and um, under, you know, uncertainty when when leaders lead with uncertainty. And um, we were just talking about like, why are emotions getting in the way (laughs) Um, of um, messing with our intuition when in fact, she was explaining that... um, Emotions are data too. Um, they're important um, for our survival. They're important um, pieces of information, but it is what we make meaning out of those emotions that ends up causing us some trouble. Um, you've given us a lot of great ways to deal with um, sort of trying to make sense of when our intuition is a little bit off. The one thing that you mentioned that I didn't explore further um, that I'm going to go back to is this big data thing. What, what do you mean by um, big data? Where, where do you get it from in order to make better, smarter, more strategic decisions? Oh, and you're on mute. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it always happens once a, once a, uh, an episode. <laughs> right. We check that box. Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, it, it's sort of a concentric circles thing, right? So from, from an individual perspective, using that uh, mindfulness technique can be helpful to ensure that you've sort of checked your own um, reality and, and you've said, okay, am, am I comparing my subjective interpretation to the objective reality here? And am I, um, you know, for example, if, if you were in, um, evidence-based therapy for PTSD, one of the things that you would work on would be, um, learning to recognize and challenge cognitive distortions. And so big data, meaning, um, I'm, I'm sort of challenging my interpretation versus potential other sources of data. Am I looking at all of the context clues here and does this fit with that? And so there's, there's sort of you as a historian acknowledging how reliable am I and, um, you know, am I looking at this as objectively as possible? And then going out from that, I think you can also, and this re- requires a little bit of vulnerability and self-awareness. And we talked about ways to sort of acknowledge that and practice that. But I think you can also um, incorporate your team there too and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to check in with a mentor or peer support um, and, and say, can I get feedback from you on, on this? 
and run it by you or, um, you know, how, how's my performance been recently? So it might be on a specific decision or on kind of a series of decisions, performance wide, um, more broadly, but I think it's important to be able to get that feedback. So you have a bigger lens into that. And, um, then there's just being able to say, Hey, I have, I have a strong feeling about this. I have a judgment or a belief about this situation, but I acknowledge that as humans, we have cognitive biases above and beyond any particular, you know, mental health issue in a very general way, humans have cognitive biases. So it's important to, to come back to the objective information that might surround a decision and say, I'm, I'm going to get information from these departments. I'm going to get information about our, you know, organizational goals here, our department goals, and take all of these disparate pieces into account and make my decision based on that, not just my own idea or my own reaction. Um, Amazing. Amazing. So I'm going to pull everything together here to sort of demonstrate the overlap between um, what mental health for trauma and trauma-informed leadership, um, how that connects to leadership development. So here's a couple of things that you said that I think our audience really needs to sort of like recognize here. Um, Number one, you mentioned self-awareness and self-reflection, right? In leadership development, we do, um, we always start with leading as an individual, leading yourself, um, understanding yourself well enough to know where you stop as a person and someone else starts or other things start is critical. Um, that builds self-insight and that builds intuition at some level, which is exactly what you mentioned. Um, getting external feedback that goes to the next level, leading your team and leading your organization at the top level means getting input, getting stakeholders involved, um, getting external feedback, whether it's through 360s or just asking for feedback situational awareness, um, slowing down to speed up so that you can make more efficient decisions after you take time to reflect sufficiently with the right data. Um, and, um, and then you also mentioned things like um, sort of assessing when your emotions are useful versus not, when they're overreacting or when your interpretation, I should say, of the emotions are um, leading you too quickly to um, a decision without further input, right? Um, Authentic leadership is something you didn't quite use as a term, but you were speaking to it. Um, Learning how to um, help other people by attending to your own um, sort of awareness of how you feel and then sharing that information so that people actually can connect, relate, the empathy. and then using some interesting techniques like like the wise mind to again slow down enough to evaluate what you're thinking, what's happening, what are the facts, what is my interpretation of the facts, all of that mindfulness stuff is the same kind of stuff that we use when it comes to leadership development to help leaders really um, strengthen their skill set and decision making. And I think you're able to add an additional element, which is. Um, when is mental health a concern enough that it's um, it requires additional intervention and treatment? I actually do see, and I think you do too, people who are in leadership positions and they want some coaching for their leadership, but they also see a therapist where they're working through some real sticking points for them as individuals. So I love all of that. That's amazing. Um, where can people find out more about your work and, and what you do and if they're interested in working with you? Sure. I love the way you phrased that, Vera. That's such a nice sum up. Um, if, if you'd like to read more about us or our practice, you can visit us at www.bredapsych.com. Great. And if there's one thing that they could take away from this from you, what is the one thing you hope that they will take away? I I think one of the most important things is understanding, as you alluded to, that there is so much power in authenticity and that if you are able to acknowledge that self-care is 
an imperative for you as a leader and that showing up fully as yourself will actually empower your team and endear them to you, that that is one of the most powerful things that you can do. So if, if you are struggling, if you suspect that there may be something going on for you, like what we've talked about, please make time to care for yourself because it will, it will pay off tenfold. I love, love, love that. Um, There is something so empowering about understanding yourself well enough to know how to show up fully, authentically, and people are drawn to that. I mean, people need that right now more than ever. And if you're able to do that, um, where you can access, you know, um, those emotions, the the um, feeling, the perspective taking, um, it's incredibly powerful for other people and for yourself. So I love that message, audience. What did you take away? Um, that might be the same or different uh, from what Vanessa shared. And more importantly, what is one small change that you can implement this week based on what you learned from her? Share it with us on LinkedIn at Mira Bronku or at talkradio.nyc or on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter or wherever um, you go. LinkedIn is where I live. So that's where I'll respond. <laughs> um, what we talk about in this episode is one of many aspects of developing a nuanced skill set to become an exceptional leader who can make significant systemic change and real impact. And as a reminder, we are exploring these kinds of things in our Tower Scope Leadership Academy and looking for founding members. Applications are open now until September 22nd, 2023. If you're watching this, use this QR code. And if not, go to gotowerscope.com where you'll see this and many, many more resources. Join us next Friday, September 22nd with Dr. Stephanie Mockler, where she'll be talking about navigating leadership role changes during uncertain times. You're not going to want to miss it. And a little legal language, okay? This is a radio show and a podcast. While yes, I am a clinical and organizational psychologist, Vanessa is a clinical psychologist. We are not your coach. We are not your clinical psychologist or therapist. None of what we've discussed is uh, taken as legal or mental health advice for you. If you need to seek out that advice, please contact us or another professional. Um, and in order to access those services, thank you to talkradio.nyc for hosting. I'm Dr. Mira Bronco, your host of the Hard Skills Show. And thank you for joining us today with our guest, Vanessa Roddenberry. Have a great rest of your day, wherever you're tuning in from. Thank you all. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 